0: This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Before we jump into this podcast, I have two quick things to let you know about. Um, The first one being the Boom Boom Performance private forum which is the bbp with periods in between so b.p no sorry b.b.p private forum it is a private facebook group it has been up until this point something that you can get into if you purchase a Ebook. So it is part of the download so you can ask me questions. However, there are so many people that listen to this podcast continuously that I really just want to provide more value for. So I want to leave it open for a while longer for a limited time. You can jump in there completely free, get access to me, get access to a better place to ask questions for the podcast, um, and just connect and communicate. So there's a link in the show notes. There is no trickery or clickbait or sales pitch in this in this offer. It's literally just me giving you more value. I want to give back to the people who constantly download, subscribe, and share this podcast, and it means the world to me. So the best way for me to help you even more is to let you into my private community so you can get access to me on a deeper level. So join the private Facebook forum. Um, It is a great place to connect, get new ideas, and obviously ask questions for the Q&As every single week. The second thing, Make sure that you click the other link, which will be right below it, and download my free guide, uh, The Nutrition Hierarchy, The All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. I literally cover everything you can possibly think of when it comes to body composition and performance-focused nutrition. And again, it's completely free. Guys, I'm just trying to provide free value to you guys listening, reading my blogs, following me on Instagram, so on and so forth. It's the easiest way for me to give back and give you the first step in transforming your body. You don't need to hire a coach to start changing. You need to start changing in order to start changing, right? Right? Very obvious, but it's a thing that might be simple and sound easy to understand, but a lot of people don't take action on it. And this is a good way for you to get the first steps to really having a systematic approach with your nutrition and your diet. And then down the road, if you decide you need more help, that's where we come in to help you on a more advanced, specific level, get you the exact results you wanna see with your body through nutrition. However, the Nutrition Hierarchy is completely free. It'll be the link right below, the private podcast forum. So click both of those, get two amazing things, completely free. If you feel inclined to do so after that, because there's no marketing or advertising involved in this podcast, I would love it if you just headed over to iTunes and left us a five-star rating and review, and or headed over to Instagram, took a screenshot of the show, post on your story, and allow me to share it for you so more people can see it as well. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get into some macronutrient talk. Macro-based diets. They're pretty damn common in the uh, nutrition world right now. Um, They have been actually for the last few years. I mean, realistically, for the last decade, um, back in the day, people recorded their macros and calculated things on an Excel sheet, but now we have apps for it. But the purpose is is macro-based diets are pretty damn common. But is it really the key to transforming your body composition? I mean, if you go to any fitness influencers' Instagram, shuffle through our blog or my podcast, um, and even look at some of the testimonials that we have, You'll likely hear or see some talk about macro-based diets in some way, shape, or form. Is there a reason for that? Absolutely. They work, plain and simple. Macro-based diets create success. And realistically, everything does boil down to macros or calories on some level, whether you realize or purposely organize yours or not. Which is why today, I want to break down exactly what you need to know and what you need to understand and how you can implement a macronutrient-specific diet that will create successful transformations for you, um, whether that be fat loss, muscle growth, or performance enhancements. Because at the end of the day, macros really do help achieve all those goals much more easily and much more systematically. But before we dive into each area, let's, let's kind of do a recap before the cap starts, if that makes sense. So this is like a pre-cap. Um, here's what you need to know about macros. First and foremost, the cliff notes. Number one, macronutrients are defined as three major nutrients which create our caloric intake. These macros are protein, fats, and carbs. Number two, macronutrients help determine our rate of change within muscle tissue, fat loss, strength gains, energy levels, hormonal balance, and even more. Number three, macros work. Period. End of story. Number four, All diets boil down to intake, which macros can control without sticking you into a titled restriction plan. Meaning, all diets boil down to controlling your intake. More importantly, and and more successfully, individualizing your intake. And we can do this with macros without classifying ourselves inside of paleo or inside of keto or inside of intermittent fasting. You can combine things and still control your diet with macros. Number five, eating intuitively doesn't work without prior education on what's required to create both maintenance and physical body composition change. Doesn't mean that intuitive eating doesn't work at all, but without that further education to create self-awareness, it does not work very well. Number six, macro accuracy inside trackers and measurement tools vary greatly, but regardless, it's the most accurate estimation humans can make with our foods on a daily basis. So, What are macros? Let's get into it. Do they overrule calories? Are they more important? Macros are short for macronutrients. It's a combination of the three major nutrient groups that comprise our calories, as in these three nutrients literally build up our energy balance and food intake. These three nutrients are protein, carbs, and fats. When we add these together, they create our caloric intake. Our energy balance, more commonly known as calories, is the biggest contributing factor to physical change. This is what determines whether we are in an energy, caloric, deficit, or surplus. Deficits lead to more energy going out than coming in. Creating fat slash weight loss and surpluses lead to more energy coming in than going out, creating fat or weight gain, also muscle growth. Regardless, what we're trying to say here is we need to create some kind of balance that is in our favor, be that deficit or surplus, we need to create a caloric balance and energy balance. So, if the real key is having the right energy balance, why do macros even matter? It's a really common question, and the honest truth is that in some scenarios, they actually don't matter. Many studies have shown that if calories are equated, macros don't matter. More oftenly shown in studies is that if calories and protein are both equated and set at proper levels, carbs and fats do not matter. This means that someone can follow a low-fat, high-carb diet or a low-carb, high-fat diet and see amazing results with fat loss, assuming they are adhering to a caloric deficit over time. So they do not overrule calories by any mean. However, they make up calories, which is why it's important to understand what they are, where they are found within food, and when you may need to consider paying more attention to them than just overall calories. The big key here is, though, you need to know what they are. That's the first thing we're trying to talk about here. So protein. Protein is the macronutrient that is primarily required for tissue repair across the whole body. It's arguably the most important nutrient we consume given that it's not only an essential nutrient, meaning it's literally required for life, but it's also the most satiating, has the highest thermic effect of food, which means you actually burn more calories consuming it. It helps build and maintain muscle mass. It supports performance and recovery. And it is the most difficult, often literally almost impossible, nutrient to store as body fat, even when in a surplus. I'm gonna link a article that I did all about protein in the show notes so you guys can check that out if you wanna learn more and get some of the access to the research studies that show. validity in each of these categories and each of these benefits that I just suggested but also some research that shows it is literally impossible to almost impossible I don't think anything is literally impossible to store as body fat but protein is as close as you can get to impossible Um, anything can be stored as fat when you're in a surplus to a greater great enough extent however because the body can utilize protein so easily it's very hard to store as fat it's more likely that you will just piss out nitrates and and kind of shit it out and it'll just go in one end out the other than it is to be stored as fat. On top of that, so many different tissues in the body, systems in the bodies, organs in the body can use protein for repair and regrowth and even convert it into energy for fuel that most protein does get utilized at some point in time. Eating more than the required protein isn't much of a benefit. doesn't mean you're going to supercharge your body in growth. However, again, it's very hard to store as body fat. Carbohydrates. Carbs are the primary nutrient required for performance, energy, and most forms of work output, period. This means that your body and brain use carbohydrates to support the nervous system, muscular system, and even the brain. Yes, the brain requires glucose to think. And they actually have research that shows more draining of the brain literally drains carbs. So you can actually see subtraction of glucose in the body by the brain doing its job and thinking harder and working harder and developing and so on and so forth. Um, I think the big takeaway here is that it's calories in general, but the point being is that your brain can use glucose. Glucose is a fuel source. Carbohydrates also have uh, some added roles within the hormonal system, metabolic system, and all forms of performance as they are literally the body's stored fuel source to train, as I just mentioned. Um, I'm going to link another article and a uh, a podcast I just recorded, this was last week, last Monday, all about carbs. So you guys can read that or you can listen to it if you want to learn more of the ins and outs and kind of learn some things that you probably didn't know about carbs and how beneficial they can be. But the take-home point here is that carbs are our body's primarily, primary fuel source. They, the body primarily wants to use, it's going to prioritize using, it's going to choose over anything else, carbs, when it comes to training in high energy output, period. Fats can be used as fuel, and I know they're going to get some pushback on that because people say, well, 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 I'm fat adapted, and this and blah, blah, blah. Very true. You're absolutely right. Fats can be used as fuel. More Primarily, they can be used in the brain pretty well. They can be used in the nervous system pretty well, and I'm going to get into the benefits of fats here soon, but they are primarily used for low-intensity exercise, and study after study after study will show you that if you want to train harder, build more muscle, get stronger, be faster, be more explosive, go harder for longer, whatever it may be, carbs are going to be your best bet. Fats, the third macronutrient. Fats are here for uh, far more purposes than storing on our body as a source of insulation. So you don't need to avoid them. You don't want to avoid them. Fats are not bad. I think we are over that influence that was, uh, I believe, what was that the '80s, the low-fat craze. Anyway, fats are here to support our endocrine system, uh, the hormonal system mainly, but also the nervous system, and actually aid in body inflammation, especially with our joints. Like carbohydrates, they also contain micronutrients that are very important. Carbs arguably have more given that produce fruits and vegetables um are carb dominant foods but fats have some of the most vital nutrients for total body inflammation as well as some other things w- with regards to metabolism insulin hormones so on and so forth omega-3 fatty acids for example is a good thing uh to consider dpa uh D- EPA and DHA, sorry, um, are part of the nutrients that are inside of omega-3 fatty acids. And that's just one example of a prime nutrient inside that. But there's also fats that have really high, uh, great levels of vitamin D and other vitamins and minerals that we require to sustain life. So both carbs and fats are needed in some way, shape, or form. Protein is obviously needed. My, my big point is that these three things cannot be ignored. And I think it's important to understand their roles in the body before you dig deeper into utilizing them to change the way your body looks or performs. So, to kind of recap these three macros, um, I look at them like this. Protein is here to help us recover, carbs are here to help us perform, and fats are here to help us live long. Protein is a rebuilding nutrient, carbs are a performance-based nutrient, and fats are a longevity-based nutrient. They all kind of cross over and play different roles and wear different hats, but at the end of the day, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Recovery, performance, longevity. Now, do macros actually work? If so, why? This is the question about macro-based diets that we need to cover. Short answer, yes. Long answer, yes, because they take our personal caloric intake, our energy balance, which is required in order to see some type of physical change, be that muscle growth, fat loss, or performance, and it allows us to individualize that intake to our personal needs, training, metabolic history, makeup, adherence, preferences, timelines, social life goals, and more. This is why I often tell people macros are not a diet. They are an individualization tool. They allow us to individualize our caloric intake, which is required. But tracking macros works extremely well, regardless, as a dietary protocol because of five main things. The first one being flexibility. Flexible dieting is kind of a buzzword now. It's a very popular term, and oftentimes, it's mistaken with if it fits your macros which is more of a free-for-all in terms of food selection and quality as long as you hit your macros and your calories are met by the end of the day. If it fits your macros implies that I could have protein shakes and fiber gummies with some vitamins and mineral supplements to make sure that I hit all my micronutrients and my protein intake, and then I can have Twinkies, Pop-Tarts, and Oreo cookies until I hit my calories and I'll be totally fine. The hard part about this is, is that caloric intake changes your body fat levels. Therefore you actually can achieve fat loss doing that. However, the longevity side of fat loss requires good health, good joints, good insulin sensitivity, good hormones, so on and so forth to sustain that fat loss. And if you are looking for muscle growth, those nutrients don't, the nutrients inside those foods don't support good performance, strength, and progressive overload. Therefore muscle growth is hard. My point being, if it fits your macros, it's not a great approach. However, Flexible dieting is the principle of choosing your foods, which is why I like flexible dieting. It's the principle behind choosing your foods in order to hit your macros without ruling out the undeniable fact that whole foods hold more micronutrients within them and they are of high demand to the body in order to promote health, longevity, and adherence to the diet. But that's the key here. We can accomplish both health and freedom of food when practicing a flexible dieting approach which is basically saying tracking macros. That is a macro-based approach. If we track our macros aiming to hit specific targets laid out for us personally, individually, we can fill our protein, carbs, and fats with foods we enjoy that still help us create health and longevity. Now, this may seem obvious, simple, and obsolete, but many people chasing fat loss assume that there is some specific list of food groups required to achieve success. It's not the case. They often have already followed a restrictive plan, required them to eat boiled chicken, white rice, and green beans out of plastic containers on a daily basis. I've been there, done that, more than once. And they assume that those specific foods lead to success, but the reality, those foods allow them to hit their macro needs. They allow them to stay in a caloric deficit, meaning if they switched the chicken for turkey, fish, or steak, they'd be fine. And if they wanted oats or potatoes or even Wonder Bread, for that matter, instead of rice, they'd also be fine and still achieve fat loss. Flexibility is choice, and using a macronutrient-based diet allows us to have that. It does not mean if it fits your macros. It means being flexible with your food choices, still accomplishing the minimal needs for micronutrient demand for longevity and health while adhering to a macronutrient and caloric intake that is tailored to you. Number two, performance demands. The more you train, the more likely you need carbs. The more sedentary you are, the less carbs you'll need. The more muscle tissue you have, the more carbs you'll need to maintain that muscle mass. The more body fat you have, the less carbs you'll need, really just calories, but the less you'll need to support losing fat. The point here is simple and can be looked at as a scale of fuel demands and or adherence because what you will adhere to is probably how your ratio should be. Pushing your body physically requires energy, calories. But within that caloric energy demand theory, we know that it is preferentially desired For carbs to be in that diet at a higher intake, for that fuel and energy to be used, right? Your energy demand, your fuel demand increases, so does the need and the requirement for carbs. Why? Well, because carbs are glucose, and glucose is converted into glycogen, which is stored within the muscle cells and the liver in order to be used as fuel for the body and the muscular system. This means we may not literally need carbs to survive or train, but we damn well need them to thrive. So if we want to train harder or increase performance and strength and build more muscle and or increase our performance to burn more calories and lead to fat loss, carbs are the go-to source answer for that, period, end of story. If we want to change the way we look but truly don't care about how fast, strong, or explosive we are in the gym, uh, gym, guess what? We still need those carbs because fueling training to be faster, stronger, and more explosive is exactly how we burn more fat and build more muscle, changing our body composition regardless of our desire to be stronger. Add to all of this, if we want to mentally perform better, we also need carbs because glucose is the brain's, one of the brain's main fuel sources as well. Some will argue that fat is better, as I mentioned earlier, but, and this can be true, but you oftentimes have to become uh, fat adapted or practice some kind of fasting to become fat adaptive so that your body can achieve this through uh, proper ketone utilization and actually creating ketones in your body which is totally fine and it can be done, but you also have to be willing to sacrifice performance and muscle, especially for a while, getting into that fat adaptive stage. So it's a game of pros and cons to decide which style of dieting fits your lifestyle and goals, which goes back to the whole point here, macros allow individualization. But my point with the performance demands is that a macro-based diet, it allows us to tailor our intake levels of these macros in order to support our personal preference with training. I like to train often. I like to train hard. I like to uh, train like a bodybuilder, and I like to train like an athlete. I like to train with things that require more carbohydrates. Therefore, a low-carbohydrate diet wouldn't work for me. If I was going to cut, I likely would follow a lower-fat approach because I want to save as many carbs as possible. A macro-based diet allows us to do this. Intuitive eating does not. Number three on the five main things that allow us to uh, – the, uh, the five main things is why – macro-based diets work. Adherence, preferences. This is the least scientific and most overlooked, but without a doubt, the most important thing within successful coaching practices. You need to follow what you will be able to follow long-term. So if you jump into a macro split that just doesn't feel good, it's hard to consistently adhere to, and you tend to prefer the opposite, so example would be you're following a high-carb diet, but you would rather be on a low-carb diet, you feel better on a low-carb diet, you need to switch things up and find something you can adhere to, plain and simple. The reality here is simple. Consistency is the biggest key driver in long-term success with dieting. Therefore, the most important factor in dieting, which macro-based plans allow you to do, is adherence. Very, very simple. Too many people get caught up in the weeds. They, they miss the forest for the trees. They start thinking scientific terms because that stuff is cool and sexy and fun, But reality is, is adherence is the biggest thing. When we start with a client, we always go over this. Like, hey, I'm gonna create a science-based plan that is periodized to you. However, I'm only going to give you as much information as is applicable to you. I'm not gonna overload you with information and science-based protocols to give you the most quote-unquote science-based diet and periodization plan if you can't adhere to it for longer than 30 days. It's pointless. Number four on the five reasons. Predictability. Inside of a smart coaching program, there is experience, and there is knowledge on what macronutrients actually do. Not only from the start, but also adjusting and how those things adjust over time and the way those adjustments can change and dictate the results we see. It's a really, really big key here. There is a level of predictability inside of macronutrient-based plants. As a coach, I know what's going to happen, essentially. I know what's going to happen when we play with different macros week to week or month to month or change the way our meal structure is set up within those macros. It's never a guarantee because the metabolism in an individual's body is different every time. So each adjustment is different and often produces a different result. However, after coaching hundreds and hundreds of people while also studying and researching thousands of different methods, research papers, case studies, blogs, so on and so forth, it'll give you a very solid way of tweaking and to predict the progress made. This means I can have a plan for this week, next week, and next month. I can predict what will happen as consistency is nailed down and adjustments are made. This is a massive key to success because it allows us to create a plan and a path your body will take towards success rather than eating intuitively, crossing our fingers, and hoping that it'll just work because we are guessing on intake every single day inside of an intuitive eating plan. Number five, the last thing, simple, numbers don't lie. It's just like a budget plan or making investments. Money doesn't lie. Well, currency within nutrition is macros. It's our way of tracking, recording, and analyzing metrics that can change our physical body and performance. So tracking macros can allow us to eliminate the guesswork essentially and determine not only why something is working well for you, but also may allow us to determine why it may not be working well for you, which gives us the information needed in order to tweak things and get it working again. So if things are working, we know what to keep doing. If things are not working, we know what to change to get them to start working. As long as you're not lying to your coach about what you are tracking, the system of numbers really doesn't lie, and it will allow us to dictate progress pretty damn effectively. Now, before we go any further, we have to discuss what ad libitum eating is, um, and talk a little bit more about intuitive eating, because we've kind of laid down the foundation of what macros are, what each macronutrient individually is, and why it's very important to consider following macro-based diet. But what about ad libitin? Ab, if you read any research, you would probably be familiar with the term ad libitin. Otherwise, people don't usually use it, but it means at one's pleasure or as one please in Latin. So within the dietary space, it basically means eating intuitively, or eating as you get hungry. You eat as you feel your body is requiring you to eat. It's listening to your hunger cues and your body's biofeedback signals in order to determine what your intake should be. In research, it's often used as the control group. So, meaning, we may have one group following diet protocol X, while the other is eating ad libitum. We control one group with a specific diet plan, while the, uh, we let the other group eat as they please or feel they need to. This allows us to determine if the specific group's diet plan is working or not in some scenarios. In some studies, this would have the opposite effect, and we need more control than just eating ad libitum. So we'd actually have to have two controlled groups, one following a specific plan and another following another specific plan to compare the differences. But in some cases, we want to compare against intuitiveness. But you get the point. It's eating as you feel, quote unquote, you need to eat rather than having metrics and specific targets to it. So does it work? In most cases, not at all. Think of it like this. If someone is overweight and wants to lose weight, do you think they are already following a tailored macronutrient-based diet that puts them into a guaranteed caloric deficit? No way. Because they're not losing weight. It's obvious, right? Eating ad libitum is literally what created obesity or being overweight in the individual in the first place. Now, there are other cases where an individual is healthy and maintaining weight. And if that's their goal, to just keep maintaining their weight then eating this way is working perfectly well and they can continue. But that's also because they do not want to see change. They don't desire any physical change. The last case to bring up in this before we get into furthering into intuitive eating is, is, and this is essentially intuitive eating, to be honest with you. But the last case to bring up with this is the very advanced individual who can eat more intuitively and achieve successful physical change. Some of you guys hear me talk about quite a bit as an example inside the science-based world is Dr. Eric Helms. He's very, very smart dude, puts out a ton of good research that us as coaches use to help our clients. Well, he's a great example of this as he went through a successful bodybuilding prep while almost solely eating intuitively. The caveat here is this, he's very advanced and he also tracked macros for years, maybe even like a decade consistently. So the number, the numbers of what he's eating run through his brain almost like the matrix on a screen. So it's kind of unfair to say intuitive eating works generally, Since this is a very specific and individual circumstance where his ability to be more self-aware of what is coming in from an energy perspective is much greater than the average individual, much greater than almost anybody. I'll get into this more in the next section, but the key scenario here is that prior education and present self-awareness is required for ad libitum eating to even make sense with an individual. Remember that if you want to see change, you need to change. Is intuitive eating the end goal though? how do we get there? Like, is is that what we're doing this all for? And I've created an infographic before that kind of talks about this. Like, at our starting point, we're kind of eating at this ad libitum that I'm talking about. And we start tracking macros because we know that we need metrics, we need analytics, we need something to dictate change. So we track macros to achieve a result. Once we get to the result, we continue tracking macros to maintain that result. After a while, we track macros to reverse diet out of that. So now we've accomplished change. We've created change with macros we've created a result with macros, we've maintained the result with macros, now we're reverse dieting, so we're maintaining the result while bringing calories up, which requires tracking macros, and then eventually we transition to intuitive eating while maintaining the result, which can look like going from tracking macros to tracking calories and protein, to just calories, to calories once a week, to so on and so forth. But for some people, that's the goal. So this is kind of how I look at tracking macros, theoretically, But for about 50% of the people using them, it's a tool to see weight loss. And I say 50% because it's common that about half of the people who embark down the macronutrient path actually enjoy using them. And it is not a stressor that is intolerable. Therefore, macro-based diets actually do become a lifestyle versus just a short-term tool to achieve a result. This is how I myself tend to be. Macros aren't a burden for me and although I don't track every single day because there are times where I like to let go of the app and allow myself to enjoy being social with food, it's, it's not neglected for more than a single date night out or a vacation away though. And, and for myself and others who kind of live a lifestyle of macro-based dieting, it, it, control, it allows us to create control. So it's not a stressor because I enjoy having control over my diet. And remember, this does not mean we are dieting chronically. It means that we are using macros to control how our bodies change over time. It allows us to be better, have better control of our body composition, our strength, performance, energy levels, and biofeedback. This means we use them to lose fat and go into deficit, but we also use them to maintain body weight. And we use them to build more muscle and go into a surplus. Goals change just like the seasons do over the course of a year's time. Therefore, using macros continuously can be a lifestyle choice to make, which allows you full control over your body 24-7. Now, no matter how much that makes sense logically, there are always going to be individuals out there who just do not like tracking macros, and that's absolutely fine. That's exactly where this infographic I was talking about kind of comes into play. Because as you can see, again, it starts by tracking macros to achieve results. This is where you integrate the macro-based plan in order to see drastic changes in your physique. You'll follow this for a predetermined time, give or take a few months, for hiccups along the way. And it leads you to your end result. Then you track macros to maintain the result. So, okay, you, you achieved success at this point. Can you just throw tracking in the can? No. You need to maintain the result now, which means continuing to control and manipulate your intake. After that, you track macros to reverse diet. Now that you've achieved this goal and you are maintaining it for a short while without making too many drastic changes because you want to make sure your body fat set point kind of sticks, now it's time to eat more because you can't stay in a deficit forever. At this point, and and that means you can't stay in a deficit with refeeds and diet breaks forever either because those are just temporary insurance policies. They're not something that's going to reverse you physiologically. But at this point, we begin to slowly increase calories to what can be your new maintenance level intake while holding on to the result you achieved. That requires macros. And then eventually, you could transition into intuitive eating from a macronutrient-based diet. This is the point where you slowly remove macros because you've learned how to fuel your body and what it actually takes for you individually. So this is usually best done by going from full macros to just calories and protein, to just calories, to just tracking once a week or once a month, like I mentioned earlier. Um, But the point is, is you slowly make that transition. So is intuitive eating the end goal? For some, absolutely. I'd even go out to say for most, it is. Because most of the general population doesn't see themselves tracking the macros forever. Forever. But for others who are pretty engulfed into the fitness lifestyle or the profession of it, if you are a trainer or a coach, tracking macros may continue to be a lifestyle plan. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. And something I always say to people is, what you eat doesn't make me shit. It's kind of a vulgar statement, but it's true. If you want to follow X diet, be my guest. If you want to order a salad at dinner, do you? It doesn't matter to me. It shouldn't matter to any individual. As long as you are happy and you are seeing progress, that's all that matters. But we have to consider the fact that macros are a staple in creating change. So does intuitive eating work? As mentioned inside the discussion, Uh, About ad-limited eating? No. It really doesn't work effectively while trying to change the current state of your body composition. That's the big key here in today's podcast. To maintain what you already have, yeah, it can work if you have some self-awareness, but to create change takes change. Macros allow that change to not only occur, but to be systematic as well. And the only context is that intuitive eating really does work effectively. It's after one has had prior self-education and awareness around macros because it allows them to understand their intake on a much deeper level. That level is required for creating physical change without tracking your intake, but it only comes from first tracking your caloric intake. So what is the validity here and what are the actual accuracy Like, what is the accuracy of tracking macros? And this is the last thing I want to cover in today's podcast, because how accurate your macros are and how valid macro tracking is, is kind of a a debated topic. And there's a few things to cover here. And and first, by saying that everything truly is just an educated guess and estimation, if we're being completely real here, is there incorrect data inside MyFitnessPal? Yes. So don't pick the first thing you choose. Surf around a little bit. Do food labels round? Yes. It's actually quite alarming and large. It's about 20 to 25% margin of error on most food labels. But the good thing about this, and because of this, it's, it's likely best to choose mostly unprocessed foods, foods that don't actually have food labels. And that's why inside of a flexible dieting approach, we often say like 80% of your diet should probably be produce, lean meats, animals, stuff like that. Do all measuring tools equate? No. One cup, no matter what Google tells you, one cup doesn't always equal 128 grams or 4.5 ounces, which is why if you enter in a cup on MyFitnessPal, use a cup to measure. If you want the most accurate measurement, use a food scale to measure in grams and select that in the app too. That's the big key there. If you enter in or you're measuring your chicken and it is 200 grams of chicken raw, it's a raw chicken on the scale, make sure you enter raw chicken on the uh, on the in the app, if you measure it cook, enter cooked in the app. Or figure out how much water dissipates from chicken when you cook it, which is about 25%. So take the raw measurement or the cooked measurement and add 25% to that and enter it in raw in the MyFitnessPal app. The point is is not all measuring tools are equated, so you need to be specific. Are restaurants reliable for macros? No shot. But that doesn't mean you should never go out and eat, it just means that you should probably err on the side of measuring more than you actually intake to account for the extra calories coming from unknown ingredients, oils, etc. It also means that majority of the days you should probably eat at home rather than eating at a restaurant. Do we know exact metrics on everything we consume? No, think about it. Is it logical to think that every four ounce chicken perfectly has, every four ounce chicken breast actually has two grams of fat and 26 grams of protein? Or that every scoop of whey protein is truly 25 grams of protein? No. But it's the absolute closest metric we can have, without a doubt. Therefore, it still trumps intuitiveness. And lastly, do most people hit their numbers on target? No, not really. In fact, research often shows that about 30% of people mistrack their calories even when consciously tracking their macros. Meaning, it really is important to pay attention to what you are measuring and taking in and Thinking and considering about consistently being precise or having precision within your measuring is pretty important. At the end of the day, nothing is perfect. We know this. But we also know, backed by hard evidence and countless research studies, that calories matter and macros are the absolute best way to individualize an intake to create specific change in someone's performance, recovery, biofeedback, meaning stress and hormones, and their actual body composition. So the vast majority of our clients personally do use macros um, because it allows us to systematically approach their nutrition and make sure that they are actually seeing change. And we can track that change to teach them what is working, why it's working, and how it's working so they can carry on and do that for the rest of their life. So I hope today you got a good overview of what macros are, why they are important, how they can be used, what intuitive eating is and ad libitum eating is, when that can be used, and how you need a prior source of education and self-awareness before diving into that, and how to create physical change with your body, you need some kind of metric and analytic to predict measure and adjust that change over time to arrive at an ending destination i always say macros are like a gps but you need that starting destination and that ending destination in order to know where you're going and that's where the adjustments in the macronutrient based plan come into play if you don't know where you're at now and where you're going how are you going to know what path to take macros give you that path intuitive eating is is guessing macros are educated guessing and it doesn't mean that either one way is superior. It just means that both of them have their times to be periodized in. And you should consider using both both, or at least understand the education behind both. And with intuitive eating, it's much more psychological. But my point being with this podcast is to teach and educate you what macros are, why they work, and when intuitive eating may be appropriate. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks.